Tuesday, July 19th. Adam Azer and Al Melchior. It's Fantasy Baseball Today. It's a two-man show. The Milkman is going to show off today. New nickname. Yeah. Um, that was that was very... Uh, it was an easy one. Very good improvisation there. Thank you very much. Well, I thought about it before the show. I can't really uh. say it was improv. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everybody, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Today we look at Monday's games and the most added and most dropped players in CBSSports.com leagues. We talk about Al's great call with Josh Coleminter, uh, who just owns the Brewers. Hopefully he can own the rest of the National League as well. We take your emails later at dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. D is in Don, M is in Mattingly, fantasybaseball at cbs.com. Follow us on Twitter at cbsfantasynews and facebook.com. Slash CBS Sports Fantasy on Thursday on the show. We read your tweets and your Facebook comments. Now, Al, we are just about 95 games into the season. Cleveland and Pittsburgh lead the AL and NL Central. Unbelievable. I don't know what's going on in the middle of the country there. but the <laughs> Cle- heat wave for one thing. Yeah, I know. Well, that's a whole other story. But, um, yeah, the Pirates, that one's very, very surprising to me. I could see with the Indians. I thought the pitching was underrated coming into this year. You had, a well, at least for some time, a Grady, uh, a healthy Grady Sizemore. Yeah. But, yeah, the Pirates, I'm still trying to figure that out. And, you know, no Tabata uh, for the last several weeks. Um, uh, Their lineup Alvarez. Is, is, is putrid. But their pitching has been really good, and I think yeah. Joel Hanrahan should actually be considered for the Cy Young. Not that he should win it, but I think he should get some votes at the very least. Yeah, should get some votes. I'm not big on on uh, relievers winning it, but he's I mean he's making a case. Yeah, and certainly uh, you know the the Fireman of the Year, whatever they they call that award uh, yeah. for the relievers. <laughs> uh, they don't still sponsor that by Rolades, do they? Uh, I thought they did. But oh, they do. Who knows? Okay, well you know I watched the end of that game last night. And it was very exciting. Uh, it was, there was a rain delay, so not too many fans were left, but they knew that with a win. Over Cincinnati, they were going to be in first place by themselves as the Brewers had lost, and it was a great thing to see in Pittsburgh. So let's start the show here with three up and three down. Three hitters trending up. Aramis Ramirez is still red hot. He homered Monday. He's batting 345 with seven home runs in July. Is Aramis Ramirez a sell-high candidate who, by the way, could potentially move teams at some point in July or August? He could. Uh, the latest report is actually that he will not waive his no-trade clause. Yes, but he could pass through waivers. It, well, there's that. He could also change his mind. We've seen that happen before with, with players. So, um, you know, it, it's not really worth, I think, speculating uh, that he, well, he will or won't go. Yeah. You know, so good point that he could be on the move. But, you know, to get back to the question, is he a sell-high candidate? I don't really think so because – Aside from last year when he dealt with that thumb injury for the majority of the season, um, he is who he is. And so he's doing what Aramis Ramirez does this year, uh, which is hit with good power and uh, an average right now right at 300. Maybe that could fall a little bit, but not substantially. So he's pretty much doing what uh, he normally does. Number two and three up is Josh Reddick, Red Sox outfielder who's owned in 9% of leagues. So Reddick is hitting 347. He homered Monday, his fourth home run in 75 at-bats. What's really impressive here, Al, is he hits 533 against lefties. Now, he played yesterday because David Ortiz is serving his suspension and Jacoby Ellsbury DH'd. But I I really think J.D. Drew owners need to keep an eye on Josh Reddick. And if you want to take a flyer, is Reddick a good option? If you want to take a flyer, I do 
think he's a good option. And, um, you know, I think that's exactly the right target audience is the J.D. Drew owners because that's where there's a weakness right now with yeah. Carl Crawford back in the lineup. Uh, of course, David Ortiz will be back in the DH slot uh, three games from now. So Reddick's time in the lineup could be short-lived for now, but Drew really hasn't done anything to, to really keep that job long-term. So uh, Reddick, now the thing with him, the power is very much legitimate for him. No question. Uh, shouldn't be surprised by four home runs and 75 at-bats, but he's not a high batting average guy. Wasn't in the minors. Shouldn't expect him to be in the major leagues. I would expect that average to be about 100 points lower than where it is right now at uh, 347. 347. Right now. 247 to me would be more like it or even possibly a little lower. So uh, take a flyer on Reddick. Just don't be surprised if he goes into a prolonged batting average slump. Reddick or Trout? I would say actually, unless you're just talking about for the next week or two, probably Reddick. Okay. Because I don't see Trout having a long-term position there for the Angels. And he hasn't done much so far. That's not really too surprising given how quickly he's been rushed through their system. Let's look at White Sox second baseman Gordon Beckham. He is third and three up. He has a nine-game hitting streak. It's been a bad year for him, but not a lot of power. However, he has driven in seven runs in those nine games, and he's owned in 62% of leagues. Yeah, well, this short-term streak that Beckham's on, at least there's some stats to support it. He's, his line drive rate, which has been low for pretty much the whole season, is starting to turn upward. The question is, can he sustain that or not? He's been disappointing for long enough that um, I'm not really buying into this for Beckham, especially since we're not really seeing a lot of power here. Right. And that's really what you want to see from, from Beckham. So you'd still take Ugla over Beckham? I would because Ugla has been turning around. He's had a pretty decent month of July. Um, obviously, you got a very, very long track record there of success for Ugla. So I think he's going to have a, a much better second half than, than Beckham will. Beckett or Bonifacio? Uh, Beckham or Bonifacio? I would say Bonifacio. Oh, did I say Beckett? I, it sounded yeah, like sorry, it. Sorry, Beckham <laughs> or Bonifacio. Uh, yeah, if it was Beckett, I'd take Beckett. But <laughs> for Beckham, I'll pass. I'll take Bonifacio because he really seems to be putting everything together yeah. and getting regular playing time. Yeah, and he's in the most added list, so we'll talk about him later on. Three down now. Three players trending down. Well, number one's Joey Votto. He's not exactly trending down, but still not seeing a lot of home runs. Only 13 home runs. For Joey Votto, he had 37 last year, still has that 324 batting average, but are you disappointed with Joey Votto? Well, sure I am. Um, so what do you think about him? Look, he's still a top first baseman, even if he only finishes with, let's say, 20 home runs uh, because he does have a great batting average, high on base percentage. I think he's going to do that no matter what. But he just, I know we talked about this a few shows ago, but we talked about how do you increase power, particularly as a you know young player like Votto or you know player in your prime. Uh, fly ball and, rate, was it? And it's fly ball rate, you know, hit more fly balls because you can't really count on the fly ball to home run ratio there because you've got park factors that involve that, some luck that involves, maybe even weather. Um, but if you hit more fly balls and you have legitimate power, you're going you're gonna to hit a lot of home runs. And for whatever reason, Votto has become an extreme line drive hitter this year, which is why that batting average has stayed so high. So, you know, those kinds of changes tend to be more stable than – Fly ball, uh, home run per fly ball. But again, we're talking about half a season here. Not time to get too worried about Vado's value. But well, let me. I'll ask yeah. you this: Should Vado owners expect a power surge in the second half? Expect seems a little too strong for me because again, you got the stats, you know, the batted ball stats to back up 
the the power uh, shortage right. for him. So I wouldn't say expect it, but um, you know it could happen because this could just be a half season, relatively small sample kind of thing going on here. Three down number two is Dominic Brown. Dominic Brown is hitless since the All Star break. No home runs and three RBIs in July. He's owned in 62% of leagues. Is he still worth owning in a mixed league? He's only being started in in 29%. Yeah, and um, I swear that we've said this before about Dominic Brown, but I think that it's okay to drop him in a mixed league, especially a 12-team one, just because of perception. Uh, I yeah. think that he could turn it on over the last two months. But i got to tell you that based on what he has done so far with Philadelphia, um, maybe there's – that's that's too realistic or rather too optimistic an expectation for Brown um, because he really just hasn't been hitting for the power that you would expect. So, um, you know, I think because there's not a great risk of him being picked up in a 12-team mixed league, uh, it's okay to drop him if you've got a better use. Dominic Brown or Marlon Bird? I would rather have Brown. Dominic Brown or Juan Pierre? I, well, depends a little bit on the format, but almost certainly I head, would go head for to head Pierre. Head-to-head, head, you know, hmm. I probably still would go Pierre again because I think Brown will be there if he does turn things around. And three down number three is Rafael for call. 0 for 3 Monday, and now he is batting 163. Dropper stash. Drop, and in fact, I would have in one of my um, head-to-head leagues this week, except I also had Aubrey Huff available as a drop option. <laughs> but uh, for Kyle's on a really short leash for me and probably is for, for a lot of owners. In fact, Scott White and I were talking about this uh, just a couple days ago. For Kyle's, I think, only owned in something like 37% of leagues. Yeah, wow. So uh, For Kyle or Cozart? Whew, uh, probably Cozart just to see what he can do. Unieski Betancourt. Or for call. I'll take for call. Okay. It's not quite that bad. Uh, yeah, we're missing Scott White today. And um, I decided to, to make up a, a lie about where he is to impress the listeners and the viewers. Scott White is at a fantasy baseball podcast convention today to try to make the show better. Well, that's, that's disappointing because, uh, you know, I would have wanted to go too. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess I probably should have been there, but, you know, well, Scott's I'm sure he'll bring back some good information <laughs> yeah. that he'll share with us. Exactly. The rotation, five pitchers who caught our eye. From yesterday's action, number one is Josh Colmenter. Uh, it is Cole Mentor, Cole like Hart. a lump of coal. But that wasn't the case yesterday. Yeah. He owned the Brewers. He's faced the Brewers in his last two starts, and he has a 14 scoreless innings streak. And last night, eight shutout innings and a career-high seven strikeouts for a guy who's owned in just 36% of leagues. Yeah, well, for this week, I think that number could have been a little higher because uh, there were a lot of two-start options, but not necessarily a lot of high-end ones. I actually did pick him up for the podcast league. but um, Yeah, nice work. But thank you very much. So we'll see. We're halfway there. He's got another start. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember now. Against It wasn't as uh, the Rockies at home, which actually view as the easier half of his schedule because the Rockies don't hit that, that well away from Coors Field. Sure. But, um, yeah, you know, Call Mentor, again, is a guy who I think, you know, with decent matchups in a, in a two-start week, uh, standard mixed league owners need to look at. Also, I'm glad we have an opportunity to talk about him because I yeah. did uh, disseminate some bad information on the last show. I said that he was relief uh, eligible, and uh, he has only seven relief appearances to date. He needs ten in uh, standard leagues. So my my apologies for that. He does fall well, a little, little short. That's why you're not at the convention. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess you're right. Ryan Vogelsong, another NL West pitcher. He has the second-best ERA in baseball. Who would have thought that? Best in the National League, 7-1, and one, 
with a 2.02 ERA and another good start yesterday. Could you? Would you sell high on Ryan Vogelsong? No, I, I, I wouldn't because I, I think there's still some skepticism out there. Uh, yeah. You can certainly dangle him and see what you get, see if you get value for the second lowest ERA in the National League. But, um, you know, he's just been solid. Uh, so there's no reason to think uh, that he's going to fall off, no reason to, you know, wait what he did 10 years ago, or not 10 years ago, but maybe it was seven, six, seven years ago, too heavily. So uh, I think Vogelsong's a keeper. Who'd you rather have, Max Scherzer or Ryan Vogelsong? I would much, much rather have Vogelsong. Phil Hughes or Vogelsong? Yeah, that's a little tougher. Uh, I think Hughes is is back. Um, not oh, just, really? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, okay. it's, it's, I know we're that's maybe getting a little enthusiastic because we've only seen him pitch twice since coming off the DL. But you know, he was very good early last year. Uh, gosh, I've been talking so long, friends. So we're comparing Vogelsong yeah. and Hughes. Uh yeah, I think Hughes. Hughes for the upside. Fausto Carmona is in the rotation today. He came off the DL, faced the Twins. Yesterday, and the Indians with a big doubleheader sweep of the Twins. Uh, They're in first place, as we mentioned. Six innings, seven hits, two runs, no walks, one strikeout for Fausto Carmona. He is owned in just about the same amount of leagues as Josh Colmenter, 32%. Yeah, and, um, you know, sort of surprising, too, because he really hasn't been nearly as effective yeah. as Colmenter has been. This is encouraging. Maybe there were health issues there that were dogging Carmona longer than uh you know we were aware of because uh, a lot of times pitchers will go out there and they'll they'll go out start after start not not up to par and then finally he did go on the dl but i think we need to see a little more uh from from carmona before we start using him again in in standard mixed leagues clay hensley what do you think about clay hensley he was scott's quick pitch yesterday or sunday mm-hmm. and five scoreless innings against the mets he's only owned in five percent of leagues he is only relief pitcher eligible he is not SP eligible. Yeah, I think he'll get there uh, because the Marlins just don't have uh, other really good options for the rotation. So I think unless Hensley implodes, he's there to stay. Josh Johnson doesn't appear to be close to a return. They don't seem to be uh, eager to get Brad Hand back in the rotation. So And Hensley pitched well against the Mets on uh, yeah. on Monday. So two-star pitcher this week. We'll see how he does next time out against the Mets yet again against uh, Capuano yet again. Yet again. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, Hensley, at least in the relief role for the last year and a half, has been very, very good. So uh, maybe the Marlins have found themselves something here. First victory in a month for the last guy in our rotation, and that's Charlie Morton. Morton threw five scoreless innings against the Reds. Uh, there was a rain delay in this game, so I think that contributed to his shortened outing. He struck out three in those five innings. He, just like Cole Mentor and... Carmona owned in 37, you know, same range. He's owned in 37% of leagues. So how would you rate him compared to Colmenter and Carmona, Charlie I, Morton? I rate him a little bit higher, um, certainly higher than Carmona, um, a little bit higher than Colmenter. Uh, both of them have had their, their inconsistencies this year. Uh, again, Morton has, at least this year, shown himself to be a very reliable ground ball pitcher. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, not the greatest pitcher for whip, but uh, somebody with a good two-start week should absolutely be in standard mixed league rosters. Okay, so let's look at the injuries, news, and notes. And we start out with Roy Halladay. What a wimp this guy is, Al. <laughs> he had to leave Monday's start because of the heat. And, you know, it's, it's crazy out there. But 
I guess it was a good week to be playing against Roy Halladay, considering he had two starts and, and he had kind of a stinker yesterday. But he will make his next start, most likely. Yeah, and no, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. And uh, yeah, absolutely right. Good week to go against him. You, you got lucky uh, even absorbing the loss in that game. But uh, yeah, just uh, brutal, brutal heat. But we at least know that Roy Halladay is, in fact, a human being. Yeah, yes. Even, Not a robot. Even Roy Halladay gets overheated. But we don't know that about Albert Pujols yet. Jury's right. still out yeah. on the machine. Grady Sizemore is on the DL. Bruised right knee. He's hitting 237, 10 home runs, 29 RBIs, no steals. The 10 home runs, I think, is pretty encouraging considering all the DL stints. But mm-hmm. nothing else. So drop or stash a guy who's owned in 86% of leagues. I would say stash him, and I think that's selling him just a little bit short. The 29 RBI considering oh, yeah, the lack true. of playing time, relative lack of playing time, is pretty impressive. And that's not exactly the most potent lineup either. So he's, he's getting good run production. Um, yeah, I would stash Sizemore. Jose Reyes should be back today. So I hope you started Jose Reyes. If you're in a daily league, get him in your lineup. Same thing with Shane Victorino. David Ortiz and Kevin Gregg, they both miss Monday's game. They will miss the next two, Boston and uh, Baltimore playing each other in a three-game series. So their suspensions were reduced by a game, but they're serving them right now. The Pirates are interested in Hunter Pence. Yeah. Think about that. Buyers. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, I get, you're right. They should be. It's just a hard concept to get used to, but uh, they certainly would have a, a need for Pence. They could slot him in into the outfield, get uh, Garrett Jones some time at first base along with Steve Pierce and uh, Lyle Overbay. Well, welcome to the bench or <laughs> some other team. How maybe. are they doing this? I, I don't know. I really don't know. You're right. They've had some good pitching, you know, especially in the bullpen, but uh, we'll see. If they get Hunter Pence, that certainly helps their cause. Yeah. Uh, a few more notes here. Jason Hayward was scratched Monday with a foot contusion. Keep an eye on that. Alex Gordon was out after fouling a ball off his foot Sunday. He's day-to-day. J.J. Putz will probably throw today, and he could be activated very soon. Sean Markham expects to make his next start. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that Markham will make his next start, but you know, at least if he's feeling well enough, that's some encouraging sign there. We got the most added and most dropped players in CBSSports.com leagues, but first... Some more from around baseball. Let's talk about Dontrell Willis. He went four and two-thirds, allowed five hits, two runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. He's owned in 13% of leagues. Would you take Dontrell Willis or Clay Hensley? That's a very, very tough one. I would probably lean towards taking Hensley because of the more recent success that he's had, albeit not in a starting role. Uh, you know, Willis is probably never going to be the pitcher that he was in his heyday with the Marlins. So if you're saying, well, you know, Willis has shown himself in the past to be the better starter, that's sort of ancient history now. But um, that's that's a nice start from Willis. And I wouldn't worry too much about the fact that it's four and two thirds, because as you pointed out yeah. with Charlie Morton, uh, there was a rain delay there. So Willis only threw 69 pitches. It's not like he was being wild or, or inefficient. Yeah. Yeah, one walk, five strikeouts. That's impressive. Yeah. Mark Burley pitched pretty well again. He's owned in 66% of leagues. He has not given up more than three earned runs in a game since April 22nd. Is he under-owned, Mark Burley? Uh, no, I would say he is owned in just the right percentage of leagues because you've got clearly some standard mixed league owners that are uh, streaming him in and out of uh, the, the reserve slot, and that's how you want to use him in that format. A couple of pitchers who... Uh, got called up, made a start. David Huff made one for Cleveland in that doubleheader. Seven scoreless innings at Target Field. He's been a really terrible big leaguer <laughs> in the past. So, so that's David Huff. And then Alex Cobb 
pitched well for the Rays against the Yankees. Could either Huff or Cobb have an impact at some point this year? Cobb, I think so. Um, that is really dependent on the the health of the Rays staff, or maybe if they you know trade a starter at some point. I'm not sure who they would trade. Uh, maybe Wade Davis, but Davis is. I've also seen Hellickson's name in rumors. I have Hellickson and, and Colby Rasmus seem to be linked. Yeah, I saw that one uh, about a week ago. Yeah, I think I've seen Davis's name as well. Um, I think that one would make, maybe make a little more sense. But uh, you know, there's some potential there with uh, player movement for Cobb to get his shot uh, longer term with the Rays, and he certainly earned it. I mean, he's been really good in the minor leagues. He's had more success than not in the short time in the major leagues. So, uh, yeah, Cobb is somebody to, to keep an eye on in uh, deeper formats. Huff, I mean, he's he actually with the start, he earned a place in the Indians' rotation. They sent down Jean-Marc Gomez. Really? Uh, after the, I think it was after the first game of the doubleheader. So they already made a decision there. Yeah, Huff, you're in. Gomez, you're out. Um, that could be temporary. And I don't really have high hopes for Huff, like you said, Really not a track record there. Major League success. And in successive seasons in AAA, he's actually gotten worse, not better <laughs> at that level. So I'm not sure. It could just be one of those, those fluky things with this start against the, uh, against the Twins. Uh, let's talk about another Tampa Bay Ray, catcher Robinson Chirinos. He was called up. He doubled in his first at bat. Does he have any value? Not much. I'd say stopgap and ale only, and that's it. And, um, you know, just uh, really a backup catcher uh, for the time being. To the Cubs. Rodrigo Lopez, he's been decent for the Cubs, not striking people out so much, but he has allowed one earned run, or he allowed one earned run in six and two thirds against the Phillies Monday. He's actually been pretty good over his last three starts. He's he's practically unowned. What do you think about Rodrigo Lopez? Yeah, I don't think he really deserves too much consideration outside of uh, NL-only leagues, but he does seem to have that uh, fifth starter spot cemented for the Cubs now. And, and in deeper formats, a stable job is makes you somebody worth looking at. Hensley? But or, Hensley all over Lopez. And um, Dontrell as well. And absolutely Dontrell too. In fact, I don't know on, so, how, on a hot night in Chicago how he didn't give up home runs, at yeah, least one home run to the Phillies. I did see, I looked at the box score, I thought maybe the wind's blowing in. It was 13 miles an hour from left to right. So maybe that did bat down some some deep flies. I don't know. I didn't watch the game, so uh, it'd be interesting to know from somebody who did uh, if he had any close calls. Carlos Pena, oh, man. You know, he was slumping. He was so bad, and then he goes three for three, and he hits his 20th home run. So I was an idiot who sat him. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it was a bad move to yeah. sit him, but... He certainly had a good day, but uh, started in just 66% of leagues. I hope you were one of the 66% that started him. Uh, do you make anything of Jason Marquis' great start at Houston? Eight innings, two runs, nine strikeouts. I know you don't like Jason Marquis. Yeah, and I don't really like Jeff Carson's that much either, and both have had a lot of success <laughs> in Houston lately. So, uh, uh, in fact, this has inspired a column idea for me. Um, I'm going to research today pitchers coming off of starts against uh, these weaker lineups and you know, if, if it's if it catalyzes them at all, or if they're you know if they're if we discount these matchups yeah. all the time. Well, I hope you look at Derek Holland. Yeah, because he absolutely. had the two start two complete game shutouts, and he will be in the study. Okay, good, yeah, absolutely. But no, this this doesn't change my mind on Marquee at all. And as I mentioned, I think on Sunday's podcast uh, from May first on, um, pretty poor stats. Juan Pierre was caught stealing. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's good. At least he attempted a steal. But, yeah, he, he got caught stealing, so that wasn't a great outcome. <laughs> Trevor Plouffe homered. He was playing right field. Got to see how that situation unfolds in Minnesota. And Ryan Roberts has homered in consecutive games. But, again, you got to see how that situation unfolds because he's not really getting 
the regular playing time. Yeah, I mean, he's almost on he's he's on the verge of really getting enough playing time to trust but they're getting uh, Robertson maybe you know four times a week or so so it's a very unsettled situation there in fact the Diamondbacks on Monday uh, used platoon players across their entire infield uh, first second third and short so uh, it's a, it's always a mix and match match situation for them and the Plouffe one you're right is interesting at least for this season because the Twins are being creative about getting Plouffe in the lineup, and yet in fantasy he's still eligible at shortstop. They don't seem to like him defensively there, but at least for this season uh, that will give Plouffe some value. Long term, this is not good for Plouffe. So let's look at the most added and most dropped players in CBSSports.com leagues. Most added number one is Bobby Parnell. So Bobby Parnell's number one. Jason Isringhausen is number four. Who would you pick up? Well, I did pick up Parnell about a week ago um, and then dropped him yesterday. For Isringhausen? Uh, for, no, actually to get, it was either Cole Mentor or Wolf, one of the two-start guys that I added in the podcast league. So um, there just hasn't been enough news to really confirm that Parnell There, there hasn't is, been a save opportunity. No, there hasn't. So, I mean, there, that would obviously would show us something. Uh, Parnell was brought in that eighth inning situation, which Terry Collins says was a, a test that he passed. But there's, you know, this is all just really fuzzy stuff. So, um, boy, I've gone around done a really great job of avoiding the question. Yeah, well, well, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I guess what I'm really saying is I wouldn't pick up either. Well, look, you, you might have to. Some people need saves. What if you need okay, saves? Okay, if you have to, uh, I guess I'd go back to Parnell again. Yeah, I, I think Isringhausen has a chance of getting traded, don't you? And I don't see that with Parnell. Well, of the two, sure, because, you know, Parnell is obviously much, much younger yeah. um, and, and has, you know, could be their closer of the future. Actually, I think would quite likely be there. Yeah, exactly. The I mean, that's why I would think Isringhausen has a has a better chance. And if that's the case, they might want to showcase him. Yeah, that would not be good <laughs> for for Parnell owners. No, it wouldn't. It's so, a tough situation here. Yeah, they're both available in seventy percent or more. Um, we don't have enough information now, but Al does say if you got to pick up one, Parnell would be the guy. Number two on the most added list is Emilio Bonifacio. He is now owned in seventy four percent of leagues, and over the last month. He's basically been the second-best shortstop in baseball behind Hanley Ramirez. So, you know, the Marlins can't play him both there. So uh, he is getting the regular reps at third base. It looks like that's a, a situation that should uh, be, be stable, um, you know, barring a, a, a trade. Or uh, Dominguez could be called up in September, but that's obviously thinking pretty far ahead. So Bonifacio is somebody who is in a lot of standard mixed leagues right now and should be and maybe should be in, in even a few more because, like you say, he's playing like an elite-level shortstop right now. I think he'll cool off somewhat, but he's he's really consolidating skills that he's shown at different points in his young career, and uh, this could be a breakout. On Sunday, I asked you if you would rather have Joe Nathan, who's number three on the most added list, or Ryan Madsen, and you said Madsen. Uh, Nathan has saves in back-to-back days on Saturday and Sunday. Yep. He's owned in 66% of leagues. That's up 18%. What are your thoughts on Nathan? Well, you know, better early returns than I expected. Um, but I do think, did think and do think that sooner or later uh, Nathan's going to be back to being a reliable closer. Maybe it's even sooner than sooner. So uh, I think he's safe to pick up. I think he should be more, more than 66% of leagues and active in a lot more than 18 Definitely better than the Mets options, right? Absolutely. And number eight on the most added list is Jeff Neiman. 
Neiman has allowed two earned runs over his last three starts, and he was he was outstanding Sunday night after we did our show. And he, he took the Red Sox, uh, he blanked them for eight innings with ten strikeouts. And if my memory is right on this, those three starts were not only the Red Sox, but the Yankees and the Cardinals, three of the toughest matchups he could have, and he aced them all. Yeah, he's owned in 40% of leagues. So yeah, that's that... right around the same as the guys we talked about earlier, Cole Mentor, Carmona, uh, who else? Charlie Morton. Yeah. You like him better than those guys? I like him better than all those guys. I think he'll be on this most added list for a couple weeks. I think that number's going to go way up, the ownership rate. Uh, and it should. Uh, I think Jeff Neiman is back to where he was uh, a little more than a year ago when he was really breaking out. Most drop list, number one, or number two, actually. We'll start with number two. Uh, it's Twins reliever Matt Caps. That's obviously related to the Joe Nathan mm-hmm. situation. You dropped Caps. Uh, I would uh, outside of a very deep league. Number three is Ty Wigginton. Now, Wigginton is now owned in 66% of leagues, down from 76%. But he got the start at third base for the Rockies Monday. So maybe do we have to monitor this a little bit more before we drop him? We do, yeah. Um, And actually, I did drop him in a league uh, uh, just this week. Um, But, yeah, I think if you've still got Wigginton, you do need to hold on to him. The Rockies just really seem to have it out for Ian Stewart. Uh, Even just the, the, you know, one bad game, and uh, they're really not happy with him. So I don't know if this is a long-term benching situation for Stewart or not, but given the flux in the situation, yeah, keep an eye on Wigginton. Number five of the most drop list, Jake Arrieta, 0-2 with a... With an 8.79 ERA over his last three starts. So he's down 9% to 47%. Drop or stash Jake Arietta. You can afford to drop Arietta. He was getting by on all those vulture wins for a while. I guess you can't really call a starter a vulture. That's more of a reliever term. Yeah. But uh, lucky wins, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he's, he's getting back towards the, the value that he should hold for, for the rest of the season. Neiman or Arietta? Neiman. Yeah, Neiman's own in less leagues. Andrew Miller is number six on the most dropped league, uh, most dropped list. Nine percent decrease to twenty-eight percent ownership. Last two starts, not pretty. Ten earned runs, nine walks, no strikeouts. I recognize this Andrew Miller. <laughs> yeah, well, he just <laughs> cannot throw strikes. At least at times. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, look, he sh- he showed some uh, some good stuff in the first few outings, but. Um, it just maybe was too good to be true. So Miller's not somebody you should be rostering in a standard mixed league, and I'm probably not talking to anybody there because he's only owned in 28% of leagues right now. And number 10 in the, on the most drop list is Barry Zito. Zito got roughed up on Sunday. Three and two-thirds, eight earned runs, and now he is owned in 34% of leagues. How does this change the situation? Jonathan Sanchez making his rehab starts now. He is, so the tables have turned a little bit. I think the Giants were very eager to have an excuse to get Sanchez out of the rotation. Zito made that decision look good for a couple of starts, but now Sanchez is on his way back, and Zito looks like he's on the way out. Zito or Jake Arrieta? Well, Arietta, um, I think Arietta is at least as good as Zito, and he's clearly got the more secure job right now. I mean, yep. the, the Orioles are absolutely desperate for, for arms. So let's quick pitch then. One player in each lead to keep an eye on, and it's all the Melkman today. Al Melchior is AL player. Guillermo Moscoso owned in 16% of leagues, started in 10%. Yeah, and um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Moscoso because uh, he is starting tonight, which is Tuesday night. And uh, that was not a given up until a couple of days ago because you got Tyson Ross and uh, Tyson Ross and Tyson Ross, 
uh, rehabbing and possibly returning. He's not ready, so Moscoso gets the start. He gets a reprieve uh, back from a, a brief uh, time in AAA. Um, I'm not sure he ever actually even reported in AAA. But the thing I want to talk about with Moscoso is I think the A's were absolutely brilliant to pick this guy up. Uh, from the Rangers because he's a perfect match for, for pitching in their stadium, which has these notoriously huge foul areas. And Moscoso in the minors consistently was a guy who got a lot of pop-ups. So guess what? He doesn't strike out a lot of guys, doesn't have great control, but he's got an ERA right around two because uh, about uh, once every five times a ball gets hit, it gets popped up. I hate that stadium, by the way. So, yeah, no, it's stupid stadium. It is. It is. <laughs> but he's using it to his advantage. Maybe this is, you know, some brilliant money ball thinking or just, uh, you know, just good luck. But whatever it is, Moscoso, I think, has, has earned earned his uh, way into the rotation. Um, Ross is not a certain thing to come back as a starter. They could bring him back as a reliever. So see how Moscoso does uh, Tuesday night because I think that's going to be uh, an indication of uh, what, what's next for him. But I think he very likely could be staying in that rotation and is worth uh, being used in deeper leagues. Look, Al, when you make decisions like that, you get to have Brad Pitt play in movies. That's right. That's the genius of Billy Bean. Al's NL player is Aaron Harang. He is owned in 66% of leagues, 36% starting him. Now, what's interesting here, he's made 15 starts this year, and 10 have come at home. Funny you should mention that, because I was going to bring that up, too. Uh, and, of course, the word on Harang going into the season was, you know, this is a great change of scenery for him, pitching in the Major League's best uh, pitcher's park. And it's worked out great. He has an ERA under three at home, close to four on the road. In those few starts when he has uh, pitched on the road, giving up a lot more line drives on the road than at home. Um, now, the reason why this is at all relevant is because there are trade rumors the Tigers and the Indians are asking about Harang. No, I'm don't not, do it. I'm not sure if the Tigers are aware that he can't make those starts in San Diego and pitch <laughs> for them. But, um, you know, so if he does move, obviously he's going to lose some value. So if you're a Harang owner, it's not, you know, not a given that he's going to be on the move, but maybe time to start looking for a replacement just in case. It kind of reminds me of the Daniel Hudson for Edwin Jackson trade last year, which actually worked out last year right. for the White Sox. But now it looks like the worst. It looks like just as bad of a trade as we all thought it was. Worse. Yeah. Worse. And I, I, I didn't understand it then, and I, I still look at that now and yeah. can't figure it out. Stupid trade. But sometimes teams <laughs> get desperate. So we go on to the emails at dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. D is in Don, M is in Mattingly. Fantasybaseball at cbs.com. Nate from Denver is in a 12-team head-to-head points mixed league. I offered these three trades to other owners who have good outfielders who may actually be available. Let me know what you think of these three trades. I'm offering Adam Jones and Max Scherzer for Nelson Cruz, Adam Jones and Max Scherzer for Justin Upton, Adam Jones and Max Scherzer and Nick Markakis for Carlos Gonzalez. What do you think? Well, if he can make any of these work, kudos to him. Um, because uh, Adam Jones has improved a bit this year, but he's not on the level of any of these guys. And Scherzer, you know, hasn't really shown himself to be valuable in uh, in a 12-team league like this. So, uh, you know, try it if you if you get uh, any of these offers accepted. That's that's a score. Thank you, Nate. Moving on to Adam, who says, uh, just wanted to get your take on a couple of dump trades that happened in our league. Same team dumping in both instances. So this is a guy who is playing for the future here. Uh, 12-team head-to-head keeper league. So he's dumping some talent to get uh, some value in the future. 
His first trade, Carlos Santana and B.J. Upton. For a 2012 second-round pick, a 2012 third-round pick, and $5 in 2012 cap space. Um, number two is Jair Jurgens and Ian Kennedy for Steven Strasburg. So I think the, the question's not really about these trades. It's more about how do you feel if you're in a league with somebody who is really influencing the league so much by giving away really good talent that's going to help other owners this year to, to work to the future. Yeah, you know, so much of it depends on the, the culture of the league because there are keeper leagues I'm in where, you know, certainly this the second deal, um, you know, I don't think too many people would be that concerned about Jurgens and Kennedy for Strasburg? Yeah, um, you know, because you're looking at a potential uh, elite arm there and you're giving up two very, very good arms who probably won't ever be among the elite. I know Jurgens is pitched as if he's been elite this year, but... Um, yeah, I do expect some regression from Jurgens. So, you know, I don't know. It, it's really a question of, uh, again, that league that I'm in where I think that that second trade would probably fly. That's a league where guys have been in it for, you know, 20 years. So, but, you know, if this is a league where ownership changes a lot and, you know, maybe the league itself isn't that old, I could see, uh, you know, these types of deals being the sort of thing that would really create a lot of, a lot of problems in the league. Well, let's say you're in second place, Al. And the first place guy that you're chasing, or, or you know, let's say you're fighting for a playoff spot, and and another guy that that's, that, you know, one spot better than you has the last playoff spot. He just made this trade. He just got Jurgens and Kennedy for Strasburg. Uh, are you are you angry? Well, again, you know, depends. Depends on, on the league. Depends on the league. If, if if it's this league, this long-term league that I'm thinking about, obviously, you know, I don't like the fact that this person's upgraded his his staff for this. You're getting two really good pitchers for somebody he can't likely use this year but by the same token um you know the guy who's losing strasburg may be losing his ace for the next you know next 10 years so you know i think you got to look at it that way okay next email is from matt two questions i'm getting sick of ian desmond being so inconsistent should i drop ian desmond for zach cozart i I wouldn't because i know that desmond hasn't been really good this year but cozart's upside's not not tremendous um, and there could be some adjustment issues for Cozart. So I would, I would stick it out with Desmond. I, th- I think he's going to be comparable to Cozart at, at worst. And is it okay to drop K-Rod for Lubke or Joe Nathan? I have Storin and Soria already. Mm. Uh, boy, oh boy. Dropping K-Rod, it would be a, a tough thing to do. And I, I wouldn't do it for Lubke at all. But I would consider doing it for Nathan. Uh, I think that's that's a reasonable thing. K-Rod for Nathan because of the job security issue there and plus store, with Storin and Sori already in the bank, not too much risk. Mike from Ontario, standard 12-team head-to-head category mixed league. I need to improve my outfield. I want to trade Jurgens while his value is at its peak. Who would some outfielders you would target as fair or buy low trades be? Sorry, that was uh, <laughs> I didn't read that right. Um, basically, who would you trade Jurgens for? Who would you target in a in a Jurgens trade if you owned Jair Jurgens? Okay, and this is it says a, a category mixed league. Um, so again, I like the idea here of selling high on Jurgens in terms of who to who to sell for. You know, this might sound crazy, but you know, Marcakis is heating up. He's certainly a buy low guy. But I think you probably I think that's you could low. you could probably do better than that. Could you get Justin Upton? I think it's worth asking. Um, 
Is Ichiro enough? I would say not, because I was also thinking maybe Pierre. I don't think Pierre or Ichiro or really even Marcakis. I think he could do better than any of those guys. Another name that popped into my head, even though he's not really a buy low, is Chris Young. Okay. Um, so basically, I think you could you could ask for kind of a borderline number one, number two. Yeah. You know, number two. What about Carl Crawford? Guy. Everybody's trading Carl Crawford. Uh, you can ask. I'd be surprised. But, but you'd do uh, that? you take But a... that would be a good sell-high, buy-low scenario. Um, but if I were the Crawford owner, there's no way I would do it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you, Al. Well, my pleasure. Scott White back tomorrow. So, uh, you know, you can, you can rest easier and kind of take a deep breath in the middle of the show. Today was, like, tough, you know. That's right. One thing after another. <laughs> so, I, I need to slow down. All right. Well, so we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Uh, that'll be July 20th. We'll recap Tuesday's games and take your emails. And then on Thursday at CBS Fantasy News on Twitter and Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy. Talk to you then.